Hello, and welcome to Baker McKenzie's Antitrust and Competition Law Podcast. Our podcast is focused on hot topics in antitrust and competition, where Baker McKenzie lawyers provide insight and quick, practical tips on today's issues. My name is Dan Gralick, and I'm a senior associate from our Antitrust and Competition Practice Group in the Washington, D.C. office. Today, I will be talking about a recent decision from the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fourth Circuit, which reversed a bid-rigging conviction of a former manager of an aluminum products company. In reaching this decision, the court concluded that the DOJ failed to state a per se antitrust offense in its indictment as it did not properly analyze the scheme within the context of the party's overall supply relationship. The decision could have significant implications for how DOJ proceeds with antitrust prosecutions involving parties that have a dual distribution relationship. As background, the DOJ in October 2020 indicted an aluminum company called Contact and its former sales manager for having participated in a scheme to rig bids with another aluminum company called Panoma Pipe. The indictment alleged that Contact and Panoma Pipe would often bid against each other for contracts with the North Carolina Department of Transit and established a relationship in which each party agreed to serve as the aluminum supplier for the winning bidder. The DOJ then alleged that this dynamic changed in 2009, when the individual defendant was appointed to be sales manager for contact. Specifically, DOJ contended that the individual defendant began to coordinate the aluminum company's bids in order to ensure that Panoma Pipe would always submit lower bids than contact for projects. Because the parties were direct competitors for these projects, the DOJ alleged that this arrangement constituted a per se illegal bid rigging agreement and brought account against the defendants, including the manager, for violating the Sherman Act. DOJ also brought separate counts for wire mail fraud. As additional context, under U.S. antitrust law, the per se rule is generally reserved for a certain limited category of competitor agreements, which are also referred to as horizontal agreements, such as price fixing, bid rigging, and horizontal market allocations. Once the government presents evidence that such an agreement existed, the arrangement is assumed to have restrained trade in violation of antitrust law regardless of the agreement's actual competitive effects or the party's business rationale. In most other contexts involving antitrust claims, including challenges involving vertical supply arrangements, courts generally apply the rule of reason, which looks at the party's market power and the agreement's impacts on competition and consumers overall before concluding that an agreement restrained trade. Before trial, defendants filed a joint motion in which the parties argued that the DOJ failed to state a per se offense in its indictment. Specifically, defendants argued that the bid scheme should have been analyzed under the rule of reason since it took place against the backdrop of the party's existing supply relationship. Accordingly, defendants argued that the scheme did not constitute a horizontal agreement of the kind that warrants automatic condemnation under the per se rule. The trial court denied defendant's motion, and the case went to trial resulting in the manager's conviction on all counts. The defendant manager subsequently appealed his convictions on several grounds. Of relevance here, the manager argued that the trial court erred in denying his pretrial motion to dismiss the antitrust count. While the Fourth Circuit affirmed the fraud convictions, it reversed the bid rigging conviction. In doing so, The court explained that the per se rule should have been applied to the bid scheme between the parties in this case because the parties, while competitors, also had a significant supply relationship. The Fourth Circuit then explained that in cases like this where the parties involved are engaged in dual distribution, a presumption in favor of the rule of reason must be applied unless the government can present demonstrable economic evidence that the agreement would invariably harm competition. Having failed to done so here, the court reversed the conviction on the antitrust count. In this regard, there are a few key takeaways. 
Moving forward, first, this precedent poses a potential challenge to the DOJ in cases where it seeks to criminally prosecute agreements among competitors that have a dual distribution relationship. Based on the Fourth Circuit's opinion, a court must take into account the party's broader relationships when analyzing a specific agreement, including, as demonstrated in this context, bid rigging. This poses a challenge for classifying restraints as horizontal agreements whenever the defendants involved operate as dual distributors and in cases where the challenge restraint involves established supply relationships. It will also be interesting to see whether other courts follow the Fourth Circuit's approach. For example, other courts may be less willing to analyze the party's overall economic relationship and instead confine their analysis to the alleged agreement at issue. Although this approach can simplify the analysis for distinguishing between horizontal and vertical agreements, it could lead to divergent outcomes between courts and how they analyze indictments where the defendants involved have complex economic relationships. Another notable takeaway is the Fourth Circuit's discussion of the trial court's failure to properly consider academic testimony that analyzed the economic effects associated with restraint for purposes of determining whether the per se rule applied. This opinion will support future defendants' arguments that trial courts should first consider the party's relationships, commercial realities, and economic evidence demonstrating a lack of anti-competitive effects before concluding the per se rule applies. This approach could be used to further narrow the scope and application of the per se rule, particularly in cases that involve similar vertical relationships. Another interesting point that the court highlighted was that the DOJ chose to include detailed allegations in the indictment, which the court explained the DOJ was not required to do. Moving forward, the DOJ will need to balance the benefits of presenting detailed allegations and indictments against the potential for opening up indictments to pretrial dismissal motions. Of course, this change can have important implications for defendants in developing a defense strategy. As a final point, it should be noted that this opinion was issued by a three-judge panel in the Fourth Circuit, which is likely to be addressed again if DOJ successfully petitions for rehearing in Bonk. It will be interesting to see if the Fourth Circuit decides to take up the issue again and whether this approach will be followed by other circuit courts of appeal. With that, I want to thank you for taking the time to listen today. Please join us again next time.